Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Man, turn your Bibles with me this morning to Matthew 28. Now, I heard this story about this newlywed couple I can't remember their names. I think it was Glenn and Deborah. Not sure. Uh, but they was a young couple, and they had gotten married and went happily on their honeymoon off to the, to the Caribbean somewhere. Actually, for them, it was probably some food plot somewhere out in this hunting lodge somewhere. Who knows? But when they got back, Deborah immediately, she phoned her mom, and her mom was obviously asking, well, sweetheart, how was the honeymoon, dear? How was it? And, oh, Oh, Deborah responded, oh, mama, it was so romantic. The camouflage bedspread and the camouflage, oh, it was just gorgeous, mama. I just loved it. And then Deborah started breaking out and crying. She said, but mama, as soon as we return home, Glenn, oh, he started using the most terrible offensive language towards me, mama. I just, I just couldn't take it all. All those four little words he started throwing at me. I didn't know what I did, mama. Please, mom, you have, you have to come get me, mama. She said, hang on, sweetheart, hang on. Four-letter words, I mean, sweet, I can't see that in Glenn. I mean, what was she doing that was so awful? So, Oh, he was using words like dust and, and, and wash and, and, and cook and iron, mama. Four-letter words, amen. Anyways, there we go. I kind of drug it out longer than supposed to. I kind of ab-libbing there a little bit, but praise God. You know, it's good to, to see each and every one of you here today in the house of the Lord. I hope you're glad that you made it out this morning. I know our Sunday school classes, there's a lot of, it was actually kind of nice this morning before 1040 having people here talking and cutting up. Some of y'all just got that and some of y'all said, what do you mean 1040? Well, you know how y'all like to come in late on Sunday mornings, but it was nice this morning to have chitter chatter and the buzz in the air and I'm just so thankful so much that we're able to relaunch our Christian education ministry as well as our small groups that will be happening later this week. I'm, I'm excited. It's so good to see all the gray, the sea of gray out there for y'all that got your shirts last week. Amen. It's really nice to see that. It was uh, something we did as our rededication last week because today I'm going to be talking about our vision every once in a while, about once a year, if not more often. I like to speak about why do we exist? I mean, let's face it, unless you understand your purpose, uh, then you, you just kind of wander through life. And I don't want that. That's true for individuals. It's true for, for businesses. It's definitely true for churches. I think it's important that if you call Bear Creek Assembly of God your home, if you've been coming in the last couple of months or last year and you've not heard me preach on our vision, I think it's important that you understand why this church exists. Why are we here? It's not a social club. As much as we like to eat and cut up and get together, it's really not. A, being social is part of it, but it's not a, a, a country club. It's really, it has a purpose, and, 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 and I want to talk today about the purpose, why Bear Creek exists, okay? So if you would, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. I believe the mission, hear me this morning, because sometimes we get mission and vision uh, mixed up. I believe the mission of the church exists for all churches, okay? The mission, in other words, every church has the same mission. And Jesus states it right here in Matthew 28, verse 18. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been granted me, given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them. Let me say it again. Teaching them to what? To observe 
all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Every church is commissioned. Matter of fact, we call this in the church world the great commission. It's, we're all commissioned as a body of believers and as individual believers. We are called to go out and to be the light, to share the love of God, to reach the lost. But not just to reach the lost, we're also called to come alongside these people. It's called discipleship. That's what Jesus calls it here. Today's modern term may be mentoring or even coaching. You hear the words coaching. You hear the word coach all the time in the business world. What does a coach do? A coach comes alongside, just like in sports, and teaches you, trains you, and helps you along the way to why. You can get better and more successful at what you're doing. That is the role of the church. We are called as individuals and as the body of Christ are to reach the loss and to make disciples. But how we go about that is different for every church. That's called the vision. See? How we see God doing that through us, the God-given vision, and it's different. We don't have the same vision as First Baptist downtown has. We, we don't. Now, we have the same mission. See? We, we, don't, I mean, you, we don't have the same vision as uh, Gateway does out there with Robert Morris. We don't have the same vision we have the same mission, though, see. Our vision is different. For many years, our unstated vision, I, I, when I became pastor, I started preaching this because and, and it's an impact it made on my life many years ago, that we would, it was unstated, we didn't write it, we didn't put it up on everything, but we said that we would be a church of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. That when someone walked in our lives or someone walked into our church, that immediately they would feel the unconditional of love of God through us. How does God love the world? Well, he loved when he gave, but now how does he love? He's still giving, but he's giving through you and I. We are the unconditional conduit love for God, and we are to express that unconditional love to others who come, regardless of who they are and what they have done. We're also supposed to be a place of unconditional acceptance. We'll accept you who you are, where you are. We're not going to cast stones. If the line timeline or the number line for salvation uh, uh, from being Satan to being God was negative five Satan, positive five God, and you're somewhere on that number line, I want you to know, we want you to know, we want people to know that they're loved and they're accepted. And on behalf of God, we're going to forgive them no matter what they've done in their past. Who are we not to forgive when God has forgiven us? Jesus even said that. How can my father forgive you, speaking to his disciples, if you can't forgive one another? And so that was our unstated mission, or excuse me, vision statement to accomplish what God had called us to do, reach the lost and make disciples. Now, a couple of years ago, it started morphing as God started working in my life, and I started just thinking about, hey, Lord, where are we at? I mean, I've, I've been here a little, almost 10 years, and just saying, you know, Lord, I, we, we've gotten to certain points, we've done certain things, but Father, what, what is the vision the same? And the vision is the same, but he expanded on the vision it almost got simpler, but it expanded on it, okay? And, and this is what we have. This is why we exist. We exist because every soul matters to God. We have to understand, every, no matter who that person is, I, it doesn't matter if they're a mad, mad, a, a mad person, a, a murderer, an axe murderer. It doesn't matter. You say, well, what do you mean? I'm saying Jesus died for everybody who was lost. And because every soul matters to God, that's why he sent Jesus, this church... I can't speak for Youngstown Baptist. I can't speak to First Assembly. I can't speak to St. Andrew's Baptist. I can't speak to other churches. 
But as far as this church, hear your pastor today. Hear your board today. Hear your staff. Hear your leadership today. We will be a church because every soul matters. Not a single soul doesn't matter to God. Because everyone does, we will be a place, what? Where people meet God, where they find freedom, discover purpose, and they can now make a difference. This is why we exist. We exist to reach the lost, build disciples, and this is how we do it. Now, that's a pretty broad stroke, so today I'm going to kind of break that down a little bit, but we have to understand that the Bible tells us everything begins to make sense by knowing God. It begins there. It begins there. Everything begins to, uh, by having a knowledgeable relationship with God. Now, for those of y'all that are saved and God's already made a difference in your life, you understand this. It's about having a meaningful relationship. I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm not talking about you can quote the scripture, although I'm glad if you can quote the scripture. I'm talking about having an intimate. Hey, when God, when the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit filled this room, man, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, but no, I'm not trying to draw attention to me. I sometimes hesitate to come up because it's like, well, I don't want people necessarily to follow what I'm doing just because I'm doing it. But I had to move and man, tears just start flowing. I start convulsing. Why? You know what I felt? felt hugged I felt he's real God is real and he hugged me and I couldn't help but just melt in his arms and that's what God wants for everybody and once you know God what he wants to do next to your life is help you in the areas of your life that are hurting these are not just areas that hurt God these are areas where you're disappointed in life there are areas in your life that you feel hurt and you feel pain. They may be disappointment. It may be, uh, you may feel trapped. You may feel hopeless. And, and most likely, these are areas that continue to hold you back with what God wants to do with your life. That's it in a nutshell. You know, I, I find it interesting how some people feel that they have to get these areas in their life fixed or repaired or, or done away with before they can have a relationship with God. And those folks are the same ones, and you may be one of them here today, who constantly struggle in your relationship with God because the fact of the matter is you cannot get those areas hurt. You can't get healing from your past. You can't get bondages broke in your life until what? You have a meaning relationship with God. It's only through the power of God that these things take place in your life. It's not a religion. I walk with God every day, and I like that term. He doesn't walk with me. I know you sing a song, and he walks with me, and he talks with me. No, no, no. I, I'm, I know. I don't sing. I know. I, 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 got, I got talked down last time I sang that one time, so I won't sing anymore. But the point I'm trying to make is, no, I don't, wanna, I don't want God walking with me. I want to walk with God. I love that picture because I'm, he's holding my hands, and he's, he's taking me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen? Come on. And, and that's what I want. That's what he wants for every one of them. Once you have found freedom, once that freedom and that release and that healing comes in your life once you settle yesterday the lights come on and you discover that you're not here by accident you were born with a purpose a purpose do you realize that i saw a statistic that 80 percent of christians alive today in the in the american church this is a u.s survey scientifically 80 percent of y'all do not know what your purpose is now, I know you say, well, I'm here to worship God. Yeah, no, no. Why are you uniquely designed to do for his kingdom? What is your purpose? Why did he give you life? Yeah, well, he gave me life to bring joy to his life. Well, how's that going? 
How many of y'all know that kids only bring joy for a short time? Come on, somebody. Come on, right? <laughs> it's no different with God. But no, seriously. Seriously, though. 80% of, that means 80% of people in here today say, I don't know why God created me. We know over in Ephesians, he said that God created us for good works. As a matter of fact, he laid out good works in advance for you and I to do. In other words, he says, you know what? In the future, I'm going to need this and this and this and this done. You know what? I'm going to let a young man by the name of John Peter Doola be born right here. And he's going to be born here. His parents are going to be going to this church. He's going to fall under this wonderful children's pastor who's going to drag his backside to camp every summer and put up with his shenanigans so that one day he can be not, not some VP at Tyndall Federal Credit Union. But that's the way God supplements his income. Do you see the bigger picture here? He says, no, so he can be a godly father, a husband, a godly parent, father, but just as importantly, he can be a youth pastor to change the lives of those young people who come underneath it. Same with Brother Ben Armstrong. It's the, it's the same way. And here's the thing, it's not about pastors, it's about you as well. We're all called into the ministry. We're all called to a purpose. So that, that's, the, that's the issue. You discover God has a purpose for your life. But, and then you start making a difference. Then you start making a difference. If you don't feel like you're making a difference in this life now, I'm talking about difference for the kingdom of God, then you need to back up and say, okay, Father, show me why you created me. What is my purpose? Because here's the problem. For every person in here, every person for that matter in the world, if you don't see God's purpose or his vision for your life, because your vision, fulfilling your vision, helps us fulfill the vision God gives this body. We're all members of the same body. We're all, and that's what I love about the church. Paul calls it body. I call it a family. That's what I love about it. You know what this church is about right here is about Family. Now, we bicker and don't get along sometimes, but at the end of the day, what I find about family is that we got each other's back, huh? You don't always like my jokes. That's okay. I don't always like your jokes, but we get along, don't we? We find a way to get along. You don't always like what I do. I don't always like what you do, but at the end of the day, we worship the same God. We're called to the same place. Watch, fulfill the vision that God's given us to do the mission he's all called us to. It's about family. I really try hard to create an atmosphere of family. I love you as a, as a brother, as a father, however phrase, however picture you need it. I love each and every one of you dearly. And for y'all that's just started coming, I want to get to know you better. Because why? When we're together, we're better. We're better together and we do life together. See, but the problem is you don't know your purpose or the vision God has for you. You know the mission. Can't, you can't run from the mission. You're called to be light. You're called to do good works. You're called to be salt. You're called to reach the lost and you're called to make disciples. You can't run from that. What you have to do, though, is figure out, God, how are you going to do that through me? And, and if you don't, you have a tendency to fall for a false vision or the vision that Satan and the world wants to offer you. You may not know this here this morning, but Satan has a counterfeit for everything God does. He does. He does, and his plan for your life is going to be nothing like the plan God has for your life. And at first, it might even look good. It may be deceptive. You won't even know he's behind it. But I promise you what, the vision you're living out that's not a godly vision, that vision will focus and surround, rotate around your life and not others. See, it becomes all about me. What I want, when I want, how I want it. I want my coffee just this temperature. I want just a little bit of cream. Obviously, 
It's not about coffee, but you hear my point I'm trying to make here this morning. I want you to engage this this morning. This is, this, this is real. This is life. This is what matters. See, instead of knowing God, I just want to know me. I got to get to know me better. I got to figure me out. See, and it revolves around me. Instead of finding freedom, though, what you find is bondage. And what you find is fear. And what you find is anxiety. And what you find is loneliness. And what you find is frustration. And I'm not saying every one of you that has those tendencies or traits are not fulfilling God's purpose for your life. But I'm saying if your life is full of anxiety, if it's full of stress, if it's full of frustration, if, if you're, you're bound up and, and just riddled with anxiety, then you need to go back and say, Father, is this really my purpose? What am I missing here? Because I guarantee you that's not of God. What have you bound your life with? Or what are you not walking in obedience to the word of God? Cast your cares upon him. Amen? So we have to be careful of that. The promise that the enemy offers is empty. And you know what? I don't want anyone to fall for the counterfeit vision that the world offers. We want you to know God's purpose for your life, and that's why we do what we do. And see, God has a unique and distinct purpose for each and every one of us, as I've already stated. He created you in a very specific and special way, designed, and he put a calling on your life. And life doesn't make sense until you start making a difference with that calling. Listen to how Paul puts it in Acts chapter 20. I think the scripture will be on the board, but if not, on TV, if not, you can look in your Bibles. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul says this, but I do not account my life of any value. He says, my life has no, I don't count it as valuable, nor as precious to myself. Here are the words he's describing his life. But he goes on, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. What's he talking about? His purpose, his ministry. He's talking about his purpose here. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul was basically saying you'll never find what life is really all about. What? Until you discover the purpose that God has called you to. And once you do, once you know your purpose, and you begin fulfilling that purpose, whew, life makes so much more sense to you. And the things that do happen to you that were unexpected won't have the same effect on you as it does others. That's what he's saying. It won't have this. When you understand your purpose, why God created you, and you start using the gifts, the talents that he's given you, and you start making a difference, yes, bad things happen to you. Things are going to catch you off guard. Trust me, when you start fulfilling God's plan for your life, the enemy's not just going to lay down and give up. Oh, I've lost. He's going to fight even harder. Knowing that, you have something called the flesh. Right? Lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh, the pride of life, that's part of the nature that Paul says every day, I beat my body black and blue. I bring it to the submission to the will of God. Why? So that he could fulfill his purpose. That's what he's told. He's focusing on what his purpose is. He told the Corinthians over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, he says, when you have this kind of focus, we do not lose hope. When you focus on what, why God created you, you will not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed 
When? Day by day. For the light momentary afflictions. You know what? Sometimes we make mountains after out of molehills. Come on. He says, listen, some of the things you're going through is just light momentary affliction. It, but it's preparing you or preparing us an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. Just because you're going through some hard times for the gospel, just because you're saying no to your flesh, just because you're going out of your way to help somebody, come on now, this is what he's talking about. He says, that doesn't compare this momentary inconvenience because you helped somebody cut their grass because they couldn't cut their grass, but you're showing the light of Christ. Just because you cooked a meal for somebody who lost a loved one and it's not convenient, but yet you're showing the love of Christ. He said, these little inconvenient things, remember, we've not been persecuted like, like Paul was persecuted here. All right. He's talking about that, but to relate to us today, he says all these things, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. We, we don't know. We don't know the glory that, that, that these, these, these deeds that we're doing are going to accomplish for God. For the things that are seen are transient. They're momentary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Think about Paul's life. If there's ever somebody that was rejected, Paul was rejected. Remember, he was a Judaizer. He, he, he was a very educated man. He began his career by killing Christians. Acts. Go back and read it for yourself. If you're doing the, the, the 365 uh, read along with, with a lot of people in the church, we just read that in Acts about how, how just this past week, how Paul, what did he do? He's out, when Stephen was martyred, he was the guy on the side cheering them on, holding the coats of those who stoned Stephen to death. And I don't mean with marijuana. And Tom, they literally picked up rocks and stone Steve. This is, this is Paul. It's the same guy in the next chapter. You'll read about that. He, he gets a, a letter saying, you can go to Damascus and get any Christians you want to, and you can and put them in prison. This is Paul. And what happens is he has an encounter with Jesus. Jesus then lightens up his world, well, darkened his world with blindness. But three days later, Ananias comes to pray for him. And Paul, Paul now it was Saul, Paul understands his purpose and start but guess what he was rejected by the jews because he turned on them he wasn't received by the christians because they thought he was going to kill them and then when he finally accepted he goes around a couple years later he is stoned he's thrown out of cities he's imprisoned he's shipwrecked he's bit by a snake sounds like my life right now right? i had a snake encounter yesterday i won i won but yeah thank you Paul wasn't focused on the hardship. He was focused on something bigger in his life. That was God's purpose for his life. He wasn't going to let imprisonment keep him from sharing the gospel. He wasn't going to let a little shipwreck keep him. Come on. I don't like ships. I don't like boats. I love them, actually. I just don't like going on them. Isn't that right, Brother Keith? This man's not made for the ocean. But he didn't let that stop him. He did. I mean, a snake bit him, and he's picking up sticks to, to, to throw in the fire, and he just slings it off. And this may sound weird. God ordained that snake to bite him, but not kill him. I'm going way off my notes, but when you look at that story, it's because that snake didn't kill him that those people in that, that place where he, was, uh, where he was shipwrecked received him and said, oh, he truly must be a man of God. Yeah. Just like Paul, you have a purpose. You may not know what it is. You just have to discover it. But when you discover your purpose and start making a difference, your life is filled with joy. Yeah, yeah, purpose equals joy. Listen to what Jesus had to say about making a difference. He calls it bearing fruit. This is a scripture I used a couple weeks ago in the sermon series I was on. Matter of fact, there's several of them here. He says in John 15, 8, by this my Father is glorified. How, how, Jesus, how is God? I want to glorify God. I want to please him. I want him to be, how do I do that? That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. 
I'm not going to preach on discipleship. I've already done that. But there's a, he said, then you look down at verse 11. He goes on. These things I've spoken to you, Jesus said, that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. How many of y'all want full joy? How many of y'all want the joy of the Lord? This is, this, listen, this, this, is, this commandment he gave is actually a recipe for joy. You like joy in your life? This, this is what you do. Now look, we know that real lasting joy doesn't come from making a lot of money. And I know everybody in here said, boy, I wish I made more money. All right, if you wish you made more money, raise your, I'm not going to raise my hand, but go ahead, raise your hand. I'm not looking for a raise. All right, we've got a few honest people in here. All right, a couple more honest people. But you know what we find? With more money comes what? More responsibility, more headache really, doesn't it? Because we don't, we don't have the capacity we don't, it's not until we get into our 50s, about 10 or 15 yards from, years from retirement that we realize we don't have enough to retire on. <laughs> Come on. Y'all that's at that place, you know what I'm talking about. Because why? When we were young, we've got time. We go out and buy everything. Man, give me a credit card. Give me two of those over. No, give me three. Huh? Guy down the street don't know him, but he might be blessed. But, you know, and so we know that, though. We know that real lasting joy doesn't come from making more money, nor does it come from eternal possess, material possessions. You know, I know that for for day and a half. I've worked on one of my material possessions, and I'm sore today. I power washed my whole house in the last two days, and oh my word, I'm telling you, it's just it's just there was no joy in that. Real joy doesn't come from physical pleasure either. But what real joy comes from is knowing your life is productive. It is. I think sometimes when our children are young, they bring a lot of joy as an example to us because we're training them and we're teaching them, and they start, oh look. He, you know, he took a step. Oh, yeah, he said, Dad, Dad. Oh, yeah, we, you know, we're training them, teaching them. And then we, once they start talking and walking, we can't keep them in place and can't get them shut up. But you know what I'm talking about, right? You understand where I'm coming from. I'm sorry, if that was for nobody else, that was for me. That was for me. But the joy comes with the fact that we, our purpose, we understand our role and our purpose, and we're seeing results. But that's true about all of life. Real joy comes from knowing your life is productive. Real joy comes from knowing you're making a difference for eternity in the lives of people. When you know you're living out your God-given purpose and making a difference in other people's lives, it will change your outlook on life. Can I be very transparent with you this morning? I usually am. I love, I love what I do. I love what I do. I've done a lot of things in my life, but I love what I do. But can I tell you what I love to do brings me a lot of heartache, a lot of headache, tons of frustration. Yeah, and I'm not being funny. I'm just being real with you. But I wouldn't change anything. Because the momentary frustrations, the momentary heartaches, the momentary disappointments that I have sometimes with some of y'all, if not all of y'all, and I know you can look right back at me and say, this, I get you, I understand, I know I've disappointed you. I know I've made people mad. No more intentionally than you probably disappointed me and made me mad. But I wouldn't change what I do because I have so much joy in serving you and leading you for the glory of God. And it's worth it when I see souls get saved. It's worth it when I see people baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptized in water. It, this morning, and this is not, you know, I guess I am putting a plug in for small groups in Sunday school. The reality is when I saw you coming this morning for Sunday school and the laughter and, and the camaraderie, I just took a deep breath and said, thank you, God. It's worth all the effort when we are able to see what I saw this morning. It gets tiring 
You get tiring, but you bring me such joy. You really do. And that's because that's just what God's called me to do. That wasn't a backhanded slap. It wasn't. Right now, I can't think of one person, but one person, that's probably Brother Glenn that I'm really frustrated with right now. But that's another story for no kidding. <laughs> I love what I do. Look, look at how Solomon said it in Proverbs 11. He says, the generous, the generous, those who are giving, will what? Will prosper. I love that. Those who refresh others, they'll get tired. No. They'll get wore out. No. He says, those who refresh others will replenish their refreshment. In other words, they will be refreshed. Thank you. Loose them tongues, Lord. Yes. Refreshed. Thank you, Lord. You want to prosper? Be generous towards others with your time, with your talent, with your resources. You know, my mom used to complain about my dad so much because anything my dad had, if somebody needed it, he gave it to him. And I mean, he gave it to him. He gave it to him. And he used to make my mom, but every time I turn around, my dad had what he gave away and it was new. Why? Because God blessed him. And it wasn't like he always went out and bought things. People blessed him. Why? Because he blessed You want to be prosperous? Be giving. You want to be refreshed? Then refresh others. That is what our dream team does throughout the week, every week. Those who volunteer at church, we call them our dream team. And I love it. I love it. Because they're out here, they've discovered their purpose, and they're making a difference. I, love, I hate to point him out because he's so, he's so humble about his pride and all, but Brother Gerald, he's like an energizer bunny around here. Bouncing off the, I, 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 Miss Pat, you got to quit giving him sugar in the morning or caffeine, whatever you're giving the man. But he's walking around helping people. Now he's coming in the room now. Look at him. He's going to defend himself. And he's got a box of mints. And you know what he does? I won't say talk about the devil. I'll talk about the angel here. And he goes around. Why? What is his purpose? He just wants to serve. The other day, Monday, he came up here and helped Danny set the sanctuary back up after our Sunday celebration. And, and it was a group text. And in his group text, he, he told Danny, he says, thank you, capital letters, for letting me help you today. What a heart. What a heart, right? He found his purpose. I th I'm looking, I've I'm, I'm, got to be careful because we have a lot of volunteers there. But I think about uh, Michelle Walker. Good to have her in the house today. She's been sick. And good to have her in the house and doing better. But I, I, think, I, I, thought, I think back to the, the Thanksgiving Days of Blessing, which are coming up in, no, in November when we bless our community through our church. And I think about what she does and the hard work. I mean, well, she drags me along with her. Going to the grocery store, right, Miss Patton? We grow, you know, and we buy all this food, we, you know, and all this stuff. And then we come back, and she cooks on her own before we get up here. And then she coordinates all you all. And we come up here, and it's a long day on Sunday. And at the end of the day, we sit there and we eat together and we look back and she's tired. She's worn out. I won't describe how wore out she looks because she'd get mad at me. But she, I mean, she looks like a hot mess. I've seen it where she's had, she, she's had dressing in her hair. I mean, it's, it's not pretty at all. But you know what? She found, her, she found her purpose. And to see the souls that are blessed by that from our community. Makes, and she's, she plans for the next year. She takes notes and she says, this is, you, you hear my heart. I, I, like I said, I could go down the list and look, and look out here and say others. I don't mean to just pick certain ones out, but those are the people that just come to mind. And you know what? You can join them. You can be a greeter. You can be a hot, and listen, this isn't because we need people. We, we've got to change the verbiage. Oh, we need you. No, it's a privilege for you to be a part of what God's doing in your church. And can I be honest? 
other than just a few spots, we don't need a lot of workers to fill spots, but we want you to come on board. Why? We want to help you find your purpose so you can start making a difference so that you can have the joy of the Lord in your life and life start making sense to you. Ah, hospitality team, CE, small group leader, toddler workers, parking lot attenders. I would love to have men out there, I shouldn't say men, and women greeting in the parking lot, maybe even parking cars. We could do that. We could do that. We're talking about hospitality so that when a guest comes, they're greeted in the parking lot, helping people park. We're going to get to the point where we're going to have problem parking again. We know that. We're We're there. I mean, I don't, outreach teams, children's ministry, there's no limits. These people who I'm talking about have found God. They found their, they met God, found their freedom, and they discovered their purpose, and they're making a difference for all eternity. And I believe that every person that calls Bear Creek Assembly of God your home, there's a place at this church for you to make a difference. You should be outside the four walls, but you need to be doing it here. When you start investing your time and talent and resources here, you're going to want to come to the house of God. You're going to look forward to touching lives and seeing differences in people's lives. It's addictive. It's addictive. It's addictive. So now, what do we do? Well, this is our vision. Because every soul matters to God, this church will be a place where people meet God, find freedom, discover purpose, and they make a difference. But here's the thing. If you look at this backwards, let's just look at this vision. What is the goal? We want every person making a difference. The only way they can make a difference is that they discover their purpose, see. You'll never make a difference until you find your purpose, and you'll never find your purpose until you find freedom. This is where so many of you are bogged down. I'm just going to take a few moments right here, and we're going to close, and I'm going to pray over you, and, and we're just going to have a great afternoon in the Lord. We've got a lot of activities going on today around the church. But we have to understand, when you give your life to Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Okay? You are forgiven. You are now covered in the blood of Jesus, if I can use that picture word, word picture. You have the righteousness of Christ. And when God sees you, he doesn't see your unrighteousness. He sees the righteousness of Christ. That happens when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You are forgiven, and your spirit man is made perfect at that moment. That's called salvation. But now that you're saved, God wants to do a work in you. This is where so many of you get stuck. He wants to do a work in you, and that is called sanctification. That's a, that's a biblical term that we don't fully grasp, but if you come to Sunday school, I think you'll get it covered somewhere in the, in the 365 days of small groups. It's called sanctification. Sanctification means God wants to take you through the process of making all those broken places in your life whole. He wants to take your past and help you get healed from your past. He wants to make you whole. Salvation happens in a moment, the moment you receive Christ. But sanctification happens when? Over a time. We believe that you're instantly sanctified. I don't want to get too theological here. In, in Christ, you are, but there's a process to where you become into the image of Christ. See? Does that make sense? God sees you when you're saved. You're saved. You're fully saved. But you're in the process of being saved. And one day when you get to heaven, you're fully saved because you're in the presence of God. Does that make sense? 
Come on. In the same way, sanctification. When you're saved, God says, your sins are forgiven. You're perfect in my eyes. But now, I'm going to take you down the process to where you look like my son Jesus. Your thoughts, your actions, your words, everything about you is going to be reflect him. You'll truly be the light. You'll be another light source of the love and compassion of God. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus without any works. But as Philippians 2 tells us, listen to what Paul says. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, always obeyed, some of y'all need to hear that, you should always be obeying, obedient, absolutely. So now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Paul's going away, or he's gone away, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's a work. But how do you work it out? For it is God. It isn't that you're working it out in your knowledge, in your mindset. No, it is God who works in you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, both to the will and the work for, who, for his good pleasure. No, he's saying, listen, as God starts working on you in the inside and starts sanctifying you, you got to listen to what the Spirit's telling you, and you got to work this out. you got to figure this out. It, he's not going to make you healed. He's not going to make you. You have to receive it is what my word I'm trying to say. you got to receive it from him. Once you know him, the power of God comes into your life for you to find what? The freedom here. You're never going to do this. You're never going to do this until this happens. You have to find that freedom. Now, the primary way we do that, now listen. The primary way that we find freedom in our church, this is where I want to get to the vision, okay? Hang with me. I don't want to lose you. This is, this is the good stuff here. Why we're doing what we're doing. The primary way that we're finding freedom is in small groups. It's called discipleship. It's in CE, Sunday morning CE, and the small groups that are, are, that are taking place. All right? Groups, what, what does groups do? It gives us a place to learn about God's plan for us. Helps us learn about our purpose. Discovering our purpose is in small groups. It gives us a group where we pray together. You need people praying for you. I need people praying for me. And it also gives you a place for the fellowship, the relationships that you need in your life. That's where growth takes place. This is the way we design. In the older days, we called it Sunday school. We have, we have two venues, CE, Sunday morning, which is Sunday school, and small groups. That's, that's, that's how, why we do it. And that's what we're doing today. Today, we launched our fall semester. Today, we relaunched Christian education. I don't know how many we had in Sunday school, but it was great. It was awesome seeing the laughter, like I mentioned earlier. But we also are launching our small groups. There is a small group. My goal is to have a small group for every one of y'all to be a part of, at least one. You need to be a part of at least one small group, whether Sunday morning's Christian education or a small group that meets during the week. You need to be a part of one because why? You need that small group environment to build, build relationships. It's not about building a big, small group. It's not about, all right, I got five, now I got a doublet. No, not necessarily. The growth is not going to come in the numbers of how many people attend a small group. The growth is going to come in your relationship with others and your relationship with Jesus Christ and the freedom that you're going to find because now you've got a group of people who are praying for you, who are supporting you, who are checking on you. If you get your feelings hurt because your pastor doesn't call you when you miss a Sunday, I can't do that. There's too many people that miss on Sunday for me to keep up with everybody. That's why these groups are here. Do, do you hear me? I, I want you to grab this. This is the life of our church. This is why we exist or the, how we're going to accomplish what God causes us to exist for, the purpose for us here. And we have to understand it. We have to take ownership of this. You have no right to say, I don't belong to a small group or study school class. That's not biblical. 
That's walking in disobedience. It is. You're out there floundering on your own, beat up, and then the enemy comes along and starts making you feel, starts making the vision about you. Oh, nobody cares about me. Nobody checks on me. Nobody loves me. I wish I had someone to talk to. Here, come to a group. The world understands it. The world understands it. Come on, we send our kids to school. We have AA and other types of groups for people who are struggling. Because they need accountability. They need friends. They need someone who's gone through what they're going through. Hello, I'm a sinner. I have walked in sin. I know what you're going through. Let me show you how God worked in me. The power of God in me overcame. I have freedom today because of what God's done in me. Do you hear me, church? It's not, there's no way you can be relational in this congregation on a Sunday morning from 1030 to 12. There's no way. Look, and don't take this as harsh. I love you. I told you I love what I do. It brings me joy. Some of y'all look like, I can't wait to get out of here. I hope that's because you're hungry. I'm passionate about this. Small groups is our vehicle where you can find freedom and where we build disciples. I don't care if you call it Sunday school. I don't care if you call it Sunday morning Christian education. I don't care if you, you call it whatever the small group is. Starts this week. There's a group for you. And, it, and if not, and you want to start a group, come talk to me. We're not limited to them. Our ideas have, listen, we have to go. I don't want to be a large church or church with small groups. I've said this before. I want to be a church of small groups. I can't control how many people come on Sunday mornings. What I can control, though, is plugging them into a small group where they become relational. And once they do, they make it home. Because they build relationships and they start finding the freedom that they need. Does this make sense? If you're not, you're out there on your own. That's not the way God ever designed it. You have to settle yesterday before you can start to looking toward tomorrow. How do you do that? James 5, 16. Listen. Listen to what James says. Therefore, confess your sins. He doesn't say confess your sins to God. He doesn't say, no. He says, he said, look to other Christians. He says to each other. Confess your sins. This always scares us because, oh, I've got to go in here and i got to, look, I looked at this and I did this and I went here. Hear me. Listen to what the Spirit's saying. To each other and pray for each other. What's the purpose of it? For support, for prayer, so that you may what? Be healed. Some of you walk around with the same problems, the same bondage. You haven't been healed. Why? Because you're not, you're not finding a place of healing. You're not going to... You will get some healing here on Sunday mornings. I believe that. But it's not going to be completed here on Sunday morning. It's going to be when you get into a small group. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. God's plan for you finding freedom, settling yesterday, is letting someone know you're going through what you're facing. We have to learn to take the mask off. We play masquerades. We come in here on Sunday morning. Yep, everything's fine. The reality is you're broken inside. You're hurting inside. You're disappointed inside. You're, you're, you're just bound with all kinds of anxiety, fear, and bondage. And it doesn't have to be that way. But here's what you have to know. You'll never take off the mask. You'll never find your freedom unless you can and let people see the real you. You have to let people see the real you. Because you will always be as sick as your secrets. 
No, it's all right. It's coming from people amen to me. No, because they've let their secrets out, and there's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. And the way, another way to put this is you go to God for forgiveness. Hear me. But you go to the church for healing. I, I, that's the way I read that. God designed your spiritual health and growth to take place in the safety of relationships. That doesn't mean you go out to everybody. Please don't get somebody you don't know and take them to lunch. And, and I'm not talking that. I'm talking about getting into a small group, building a relationship with people you know you can trust, and say, hey, look, I'm really struggling here. Some of these small groups are specific. If you're, you're struggling with grief or loss, Brother Andy's got a small group for you. He, too, has gone through grief and losing his wife four years ago now, right? Four, almost four years. And he wants to share what he's been through to help other people find freedom from their grief. Do you, do you see how that works? We have a small group for those who question the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't understand it. Maybe you want to know more about it. Well, Sister Deborah's going to be teaching one on Sunday mornings as a Sunday school group. Why? So that you could know. Who better than someone who operates within the gifts to teach you about the gifts? See? I mean, I could go on. I, I mean, I, I, I don't see Cody here this morning, but Cody's got one. I forget the name of Cody's. What's Cody? The Struggle. I thought, what a weird name. But the whole purpose of his is going out and finding people who are struggling, maybe with re, maybe something in their yard, their house, whatever, and then those people go on and doing acts of service and kindness. And as they do it, they're building relationships with one another, and they're, they're making a difference. It's going to be hot. It's going to be dirty. I wish they'd been around a couple weeks ago when my septic tank broke and they could have got down there and helped me <laughs> dig it out. Trust me, that was a struggle. That was a struggle, I can tell you that. Man, the last six weeks have been really rough on my body. Man. You have to plug into a small group so you can meet someone to be your friend, someone to pray for you and to encourage you. We all need someone to care for us and to pray for us. If I could have my, my praise, my worship team come back up. The only way you're going to make a difference is discover your purpose. You'll never discover your purpose until you find freedom. Bondage will keep you from fulfilling your purpose and making a difference. But it really, it begins with knowing God, where we began this message, knowing God. It all does. Everything in the Word of God talks about it begins there. The power of these other three parts, finding freedom, discovering purpose, making it, the power of those three this vision comes from meeting, or maybe I should say knowing God. Knowing God. But you got to meet him first to know him. I mean, you could meet him through other people's lives, but really it's about meeting him to know him, an intimate relationship with him. Mark 8, 34 gives us a word picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You should be able to, you should know this because this was one of the root foundational scriptures of my last message series then he being jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said if anyone comes after me if anyone wants to know me if anyone wants to a life with me if anyone wants to be a part of what i'm doing and me be a part of his or her life anybody that wants to find freedom who wants to discover their purpose, anyone who wants to make a difference, this is what he says, he must decide, deny himself, 
and take up his cross. Follow me. For whoever wants to save his life, you want to save your life. If you do everything you can to save your own life, you lose it. I mean, how many of us have done that? Do everything we can. The vision revolved around me. All my plans, it's all about me. And I'm doing everything to build my life up, to build my kingdom up, to have newer things and nicer things and more things, the career, the bank account, the 401K. I mean, I'm doing all this to save my life so I can have a nice, comfortable life. And Jesus says, you do that, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for me, and it's not really losing your life, it's submitting, it's sacrificing, it's giving him your life for the gospel. For the gospel. Not so you can go to heaven. We look at things from eternity and we're told to look at things that are unseen. That's the kind of the carrot. I gotta say carrot. I can't say cherry because I'm gonna diet right now. So carrot. That's the, that's, that's the thing we keep, right? But Jesus says no. It's, it's about giving your life to him for the gospel. If you do that for the gospel, the good news. For the purpose he has for you. For the vision he's laid out. For the good works he's called you to. But if you opt out of joining him, you may be thinking that you're saving or preserving your life. But in reality, you're losing it. If you think that you can change yourself and the things in your life that's got you bound, depressed, full of anxiety, if you think you can do that on your own, you're fooling yourself. You are. Jesus says, wide is the gate and broad is the road that what leads to destruction. Whew. And it is covered with people today. Covered with people today. In order to not only save your life, but to really have life, you must give your life to God fully. Submit it. Small is the gate and narrow is is the road that leads to life. And there's a couple of phrases in the Bible that are so sad to me. This is one of them. And only a few find it. Only a few. People around the world are searching. They're searching for relief. They're searching for hope. They're searching for an answer to the financial situation, the political situation. They're searching for hope for the virus, a solution. There's only one place. That's the narrow gate in the narrow road that leads to life. But unfortunately, only few find it. If you're here this morning and you're bound with sin, you're bound with past hurts, you want, you want relief today, I want to invite you to come to this altar this morning. I want to introduce you. If you don't know Jesus, I want to introduce you to him. If you know him but you've distanced from him, then I want to help you draw closer to him with the idea of this, when you meet God, he's going to start the process of you finding freedom. And we're going to get you plugged into a group. We're going to get you plugged into a group where you can find that freedom. Amen? These altars are open. If you need special prayer this morning, want someone to pray with you, please, this is your moment. This is your opportunity. Before I dismiss, I want to give you that chance. Anybody want to receive Christ? Anybody want prayer? Anybody just needs some relief today, needs some freedom from the anxiety, the worry, the stress that you're under? Come. Let us pray for you today. Amen.
Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.